Welcome back, everyone, to another episode here on the 5571 podcast. And today is actually my first episode uh, by myself without uh, without David and also a special guest today joining me. I'm joined by Five Fires himself, Callie Bay, <laughs> Mondo. <What's> on, on? <laughs> Danny. Thank you for having me on, man. I'm excited. Yeah, thanks for being on. Hopefully we'll have you on more regularly. Hey, um, I'm open anytime, dog. <laughs> So obviously, if you don't know Mondo, um, he's the main host of Five Fires YouTube. Um, also, my co-host on Speculation Sunday on his YouTube channel. I'll have all the notes, all the links to Mondo's social medias and YouTube channel and everything in the show notes of this episode. Um, so you can find out all that if you don't already follow him. But if you don't, you should be. So definitely do that. Um, but... We're going to start off this episode just like we always do with our 5571 news segment, and we'll get right into the news to get going on this. So I first wanted to talk about uh, the Walt Disney World Railroad. Uh, it's finally reopened after being closed for roughly four years, uh, which is insane due to on and off construction for Tron Light Cycle Power, the Tron Light Cycle Run. I always want to call it Power Run because that's what it's called in Shanghai, but it's just called Tron mm-hmm. Light Cycle Run here. Uh, the new roller coaster and its surrounding facilities were actually built on top of the, the railroad's former tracks. So the train now has to tunnel underneath the site and has a whole new narration segment themed to the attraction as you pass by it. Many railroad fans, I'm sure, will be happy to see this classic returned. And it's going to definitely bring much kinetic, needed kinetic energy back to the main entrance of the Magic Kingdom with that train whistle going and the steam and all that stuff. But... Can you believe, Bondo, they left such an iconic attraction closed for so long? <laughs> it's pretty crazy that Tron was just, or the railroad was at the mercy of Tron construction. Um, I went to Walt Disney World f- for December for the first time, I think 2019. Mm-hmm. And I've, ne- I've been in Walt Disney World maybe four or five times now since then. And I've never got to experience the railroad. Like, I almost forgot the railroad existed. Yeah. Uh, because it's just not even mentioned, talked about, uh, expectation date. And the way that Walt Disney World has now brought back the railroad, they honestly brought back the railroad with marketing in like a week. They were pretty much like, hey, the railroad's coming. And then the railroad opened. Yeah. <laughs> well, that went down. It was insane. Yeah. And, and, um, uh... You know, it's just so weird. It was kind of like a perfect storm about how it stayed closed for so long. You know, they, um, you know, we all anticipated, and, and I think Disney anticipated opening Tron Light Cycle Run at the Magic Kingdom so much sooner than they did. You know, it it was kind of clear at first when they first announced it that um, with the kickoff of the 50th anniversary of of Walt Disney World that um, we would see you know Tron open, and it just kind of with the pandemic and then, you know, what maybe different leadership at the time that was trying to like move all the things around. It kept delaying Tron, delaying Tron. And, and because Tron was sitting delayed, that means the train was delayed. So it was just like the poor train just had to like suffer the consequences. (laughs) And and to me, the train's like super important for, for Walt Walt Disney world in general. Yeah. Uh, it, It just, it connects all of magic kingdom you know it brings it to life yeah and it's just a great way to you know tour the magic kingdom and also it's a, it's an icon right it's a disneyland icon it's a magic kingdom icon it's a staple you know it's something that people traditionally really liked to do and for so many years people couldn't do it so 
I'm happy that it's back. I can't wait to do it again. It's been literal years since I've done it. So um, I, I can't wait to do it again. But and one uh, thing about the train, Danny, uh -huh. um, I had a chance on social media to hear the spiel that you hear while riding the train. That was the first time I've ever heard it in like <laughs> the last four or five. It feels like four or five years. It, it just feels forever. Dude, I think the last time I rode the train, and this is so long ago, was um, I, I don't even think I rode the train when when it got its new station in uh, New Fantasyland because mm -hmm. they had tr they had they had even closed the train in that segment when they were redoing Fantasyland because they used to have Toontown too. It was called Toontown Fair. Um, and I only remember going on the train when I got on the Toontown Fair station. That's how long ago that was. So Yeah. And and one thing to talk about the train real quick as well, they still reference Splash Mountain, which I'm surprised about that because we already have a, a, a closing date upon us with Walt Disney World Splash Mountain. Yes, yes. And that's actually coming a little bit later in the new segment too. So hold on to that yep. thought. <laughs> yep, yep. We'll get to but, that one. But next, uh, I wanted to talk to you about Avatar. Obviously, the the great success of the sequel of Avatar. Um, you know, it's continuing to just dominate in the box office. Disney's hoping that it really hits that billion dollar mark and, and continues its tradition of um, the Avatar movie franchise so they can just keep going with these James Cameron movies. But I wanted to talk about how Disney may actually be looking to update Avatar Flight of Passage at Disney's Animal Kingdom to better tie into Avatar's current sequel and upcoming sequels. So I don't know if you saw this, Mondo, but James Cameron was actually recently interviewed by Variety Magazine or Variety and was asked about the up, about updating the attraction. And he said he actually already communicated with Bob Iger just weeks or like just a couple like in the week after he became uh, CEO again, was reinstated and said that Bob Iger liked the idea. So mm -hmm. Flight of Passage actually already has a water segment in the attraction that was actually um, an Easter egg in and of itself to the sequel that no one knew about, just hidden in plain sight. Uh, there's a whole segment where you fly over the water, you get kind of misted um, by one of the giant tulkun from the movie that we now know, which mm -hmm. is like the big whale-like creatures uh, that jumps out of the water. Uh, and that that was always just there. We didn't know what Tulkuns were. We didn't know that there were even sea creatures in, in Pandora. We, you know, the, the water was just not something that they ever went into other than um, like in rivers and stuff like that, you know? So mm -hmm. it was, it was uh, hidden there this whole time. I actually saw another interview where another one of the actors talked about um, how like the the creatures from the sequel were in Flat of Passage, but no one knew they were just there. <laughs> so it's crazy. And I re I remember that there's like a big tokun segment that it it just comes out of the water. Yeah, yeah, you're flying kind of like you're flying kind of through the waves, and the tokun just jumps out. Yeah. So it's nuts. I think them changing Avatar Flight of Passage to be something related to the way of the water. It's a perfect move and it's a perfect way to bring life to that ride again. That ride already has a high demand always, but what a what better way to bring more of a crowd, more uh I guess hype and and, and just like something to look forward to on your next vacation uh than, than like a, the ride pretty much becoming a new ride. It's literally a new ride. Right. Exactly. No, for sure. Uh, yeah, I'm excited. I hope they, they do it. I'm all for it. Um, 
I love the Avatar franchise and uh, and I love Flight of Passage, even though it makes me sick. But I still want to I would still want to see it, <laughs> see all the changes. If they changed it to the way of the water, I really feel like it, it would feel like a new ride. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. Yeah. And it feels like it's like Star Tours, you know, they can they, they change Star Tours pretty easily and it makes it very relevant. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, if, if James Cameron's willing to do it right, why not let him? So, yeah. So, but yeah, on the, the next segment uh, of the news, we're going to talk about the upcoming ride closures. Now, I know I talked about some of these in our in my past episodes, but I wanted to revisit them again just because there's so many now building up. So I want to make sure if you're planning your visit to Disneyland Resort um, and you want to, you know, make sure your favorite attraction is going to be open. This is now considered the quote unquote off season, even though Mondo and I know that doesn't really exist anymore. But this is traditionally when Disneyland closes a lot of stuff. Um, you know, to, to work on it. It's why the the tier zero days exist in January and February because there's so much stuff closed. <laughs> yeah. But uh, starting off with Disneyland first, uh, It's a Small World, of course, is going to close on the 9th of January, which is the day after the holiday season ends, um, to remove the holiday overlay and turn it back into the regular It's a Small World. Um, then um, for the other holiday overlay, Haunted Mansion Holiday, this attraction actually is doing something totally different for the first time. It's not closing after the holiday season ends and it's actually staying open to the to the end of January. So Haunted Mansion Holiday will actually stay open until January 30th and then it will close for an indefinite amount of time they didn't say um, for to remove its holiday overlay. So if you had planned a trip after the holidays in hopes of doing a regular Haunted Mansion, you might be disappointed because it's still going to be Haunted Mansion Holiday all the way through January, <laughs> which what, is crazy. Why, why keep it to January 30th? What a weird move. The only thing I could think of is that um, we're, we have, we're still continuing this list, Mondo, but I think it's because so many things are closed that no, aren't normally that they have to keep something open to absorb crowds. Yeah, so, I can see that. Yeah, because Haunted Mansion and Pirates of the Caribbean are such great crowd absorbers. So I think they're keeping it open because they're closing um, like, you know, if they close, it's a small world, but then it's going to reopen, you know, later that month. Then once it reopens, then they probably feel a little bit better about closing um, Haunted Mansion Holiday because the next thing on my list is actually Indiana Jones Adventure, which closes on January 9th, the day after the holiday season. Um, and and that closes for an, an indefinite amount of time as well, too. Uh, meaning we don't know the specific date. So mm-hmm. we know they're doing some major, much needed improvements on this attraction. Um, but that's two major rides being closed in a very close proximity. You got Indiana Jones and Haunted Mansion right next to each other. So um, if they were both closed at the same time, and they're going to be at some point, um, it's going to be super impactful if they had Haunted Mansion Holiday closed, Indiana Jones closed, and S- Small World closed. And, like and just saying, it would get a little awkward if Splash Mountain closed with all that. <laughs> yeah, so I think they're kind of playing like a like a oh, we got to figure out yeah. what's got to close kind of thing. It's like they're playing chess with the closures. Like we we, <laughs> we, we got to keep capacity moving even though we're closing. Right, exactly. So Indiana Jones Adventure closes January 9th. Um, another attraction closing in Disneyland on January 9th is Great Moments with Mister Lincoln. And Mondo and I actually talked about this a little bit on Speculation Sunday. I thought he had an excellent theory um, about this. But, uh, you know, what happens at the end of January 
it's going to be the kickoff to the Disney 100 celebration, a bunch of new things, new shows, new everything. Um, and really it's a focus on the company, right? The history of the company, the animated movies that they featured, um, full feature length. There's like 62 of them now with wish coming out. So there's going to be a lot of history and, and, and things to this, to this particular celebration. And it's not just about the theme parks. So, um, Mondo's theory was that the great moments with Mr. Lincoln theater could be turned into some sort of Disney 100 exhibit right now. It's already exhibiting um, history, but only haunted mansion. And it has been that mm -hmm. way for a while. Um, so we could easily see uh, a Disney 100 exhibit coming to the Lincoln theater. I think that's an excellent theory. Um, but if you're a fan of great moments of Mr. Lincoln, you absolutely should get your, your rides in after um after the attraction reopens right we, we're all unblocked if you have an inspire key um on january 2nd so you have to second to the ninth or to the eighth to ride this attraction or experience the lincoln attraction because keep in mind and mondo can attest to this too disney 100 celebration is at least a year but we know disney loves extending their celebrations right so th this attraction could at least be out of commission for a whole year and not you back might, as Lincoln. You might not see it to next January. Like right. two Januaries from now. So like if you like Lincoln, maybe try to experience that uh, on your last visit before everything closes for the end of the holiday season. So keep that in mind. Keep that in mind. But that wraps up uh, Disneyland's closures. Now we'll move over to Disney California Adventure. So um, January 17th actually is going to be when Radiator Springs Racers closes. So also in January, so much stuff closing in January. Um, but this one's only closing for six days and it's going to reopen on the 23rd. Um, so not too long of a closure. It's probably just a quick little maintenance thing. Not sure what's going on there. I know the attractions had a little bit of problems recently, so uh, maybe it's a, maybe it's sort of a, a reliability closure that will uh, help some things there. Um, also closing January 9th, which is a huge day, uh, Grizzly River Run. And that one's closed until spring of 23 with no date. Um, so probably just reopening when the weather gets a little bit warmer. Um, this is not unusual. Grizzly River Run closes pretty much um, every year around the same time, early to mid to late January or February uh, for its annual refurbishment. So not out of the ordinary. Uh, but the next one is out of the ordinary. And Mondo had a theory about this one, too. And I'll let you tell about that one, Mondo. This one is Mickey's Feel Our Magic closing January 24th. I was really shocked about this one because I feel like in all reality, Feel Our Magic's new. <laughs> it's not that old. Yeah. Uh, Even with the new show, like the Coco segment. Yeah. And Coco just got added to it. Yeah. Uh, not that long ago. Uh, but we could honestly see some type of short or, or just like a, maybe a 10 to 15 minute segment. Uh, just kind of honoring the 100th year celebration that we're going to be seeing uh, as Disney's 100th celebration is going to be resort wide. So California Adventure and Disneyland is going to get involved. And what great place to give homage to all these uh, like animated movies and the films and just the history uh, than putting it in this theater se uh, segment. I, I feel like they're going to do something pretty spectacular here because it really feels like the 100th being celebrated at Disneyland and being the focal point, it, 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 I feel like they're going that extra magical like mile. Like they're really trying to bring another level of entertainment. And I feel like them uh, 
turning Mickey's Philhar Magic into a Disney Hundred Celebration short or movie or not movie, but just a segment. It'd be really good. Yeah, really I, good I agree too. And they have the, you know, the, it's called the Sunset Showcase Theater, right? So they can easily change the marquee to really say whatever they want. So mm-hmm. it could easily, you know, and I feel like it's a smart move for both of these attractions. Um, you know, a way to promote the promote the celebration and also bring crowds into like a theater like this that uh, maybe wouldn't have normally gone in there in its current state on all each of these attractions. So something and new that that waiting area is a perfect area where it's like kind of red carpet for them mm-hmm. to put lots of lots of different posters, maybe some museum style uh, pieces like in the waiting area before you go into Magic Theater. It's just a good segment and in, in, to highlight the hundredth, you know? Yeah. I agree. Films. I agree. I agree. This is, I'm excited. I feel like there's a lot of changes coming to Disney 100. We just don't know about yet. And I feel like we're going to have a lot of stuff to cover and check out. And it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Mm-hmm. And then the last listed closure for Disney California Adventure Park is actually the Inside Out Emotional Whirlwind. Um, and that closes at the very end of the month on January 30th with the Haunted Mansion. Um, so there's a lot of, clo- every single one of these closures is happening in January. It's a lot of closures. So definitely keep, uh, that in mind if you're planning an upcoming stay. And also it gives you a little reason as to why those tier zero days are in January, because there are so many attractions that are unavailable, uh, whereas they wouldn't be unavailable, um, in like the summer season, let's say when you have to pay full price for like a tier six ticket or something. So, mm-hmm. but um, that's all we're going to talk about for ride. Clo- oh, no. The other thing I wanted to ask Mondo, though, on ride closures was, so with all these closures in the month of January and knowing what we know now about all these stuff that's closing, um, you mentioned it a little bit earlier in this segment. So I said we'd get back to it again. Um, when do you think a good time for Disneyland to close our Splash Mountain permanently? It, it almost seems like, well, January is for sure not a good time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, February is not a good time. I, I, I feel like the crowds are going to come with the 100 celebration kickoff, Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. For, for me, I still think January 27th would be a good time to close Splash, only for the reason that there's so much attention going elsewhere. Uh, for, for capacity purposes, probably a terrible time. But I think that January 27th is the perfect time to just be like, goodbye, Splash. And hello, new fireworks. Hello, new world of color. Hello, Mickey. Yeah, a good diversion. Yeah. It's a perfect diversion. It's not a good thing because capacity, if the crowds do come in a big way, uh, for for us to lose Splash Mountain would would kind of suck. But but at the same time, who is riding Splash Mountain during these cold times? Uh, I would say not that many people, but I don't know. Um, if it's not January 27th, I'm guessing it's going to be right when Magic Happens debuts. That, that'll be my other guess, because I think Disney wants diversion, Danny. Yeah. Uh, the, 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 let's not even talk about Splash Mountain. Let's talk about Magic Happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and for those that had been listening to like past shows or even me on Speculation Sunday on Mondo's channel... Uh, I was pretty adamant that, you know, we were going to follow the same timeline as last year, um, which last year, uh, the end of the holiday season was, um, I believe, like the 10th of January. And that's Mm -hmm. when that's when um, the Splash Mountain closed last year. 
Um, so I thought that, you know, they would just close around their normal time um, for the annual refurbishment, but just stay permanently closed as it the attraction was kind of demolished and, and redone um, into Tiana's Bayou Adventure. But I feel like with all these other closures now, um, I don't know necessarily that they even have the manpower to do it. So they kind of just think, hey, let's leave this open kind of thing. I know like Mondo was saying, there's probably not that many people riding it because it's cold. So how many people can it really take? But I think it's more of like a, hey, they can tell guests like we have this many attractions open and there's the list of rides being closed isn't that big, you know? Yeah. So and, I don't know. It, it was January 10th, by the way, this year. Yeah. So yeah. it closed January 10th of 2022 and, and reopened in the spring um, like it normally does, uh, you know, for guests to be able to ride the attraction. So, um, you know, I had thought that in the, I said on speculation Sunday that in the week of like January 9th to, I think whatever the, that next Sunday is, I was like, I feel like it's going to close sometime during that week. I feel like there's still potentially a chance they could do that and just do it on the down low and not tell anyone. Yeah. Um, let me ask, let me ask this question. Why does Walt Disney world get this time span to be like, Hey, this is when it's closing. Yeah. Get your, get your rides in Disneyland. We haven't heard nothing, not even a whisper. Um, and, and we talked about it previous with Danny is maybe Disneyland doesn't say nothing and just closes it like, Hey, th this is it. We're done. Yeah, I thought about that, too. And, and I, I still think that's a high possibility. Um, but there's just a lot of mystery surrounding it. I really wish they would just share, honestly, and, and just tell us when it's going to be. I mean, we know it has to be soon, right? There's not much time left in order to do, um, you know, this sort of layover uh, with the attraction opening in late 2024. Um, you know, being all the way into the beginning of 2023, like they need some time to like redo this so yeah, <laughs> and redo it how, right <laughs> look how long tron took just i saying. know just saying <laughs> uh but so that about does it for ride closure so keep in mind all those that's a lot uh, so make sure uh you're planning accordingly if any of these attractions are something that you want to experience make sure um you can maybe alter your trip around this so um but the last little bit of news i wanted to talk about how disney shared details about Wondrous Journeys, the new nighttime fireworks spectacular, debuting for Disney's 100 celebration on January 27th. So they confirmed, obviously, that Big Hero 6's Baymax would indeed fly over the castle during the show um, in a press release. Uh, you know, the LA Times talked about it and everything. And they probably did this because photos of it leaked, obviously, testing uh, online. So they definitely wanted to specifically call that out. And additionally, they shared it would feature an original song called It's Wondrous, uh, which we all got a sneak peek of already at Disney's D23 Expo this past September, um, and that it would showcase elements from every feature animated movie uh, the studio created, including special moments from favorites like Encanto, Frozen, Treasure Planet, Big Hero 6, Moana, and much more. Uh, they did also highlight that the attraction or the, the show would like feature... Uh, projections on disney icons which i thought was weird that like la times called that out um mm -hmm. but like when they listed the disney icons it's the same place that fireworks get projections on already so it was like they made <laughs> they made it sound like it was going to be something like big like a big deal i mean like when disneyland forever and remember dreams come true happened those added the matterhorn for projections and that was like super iconic 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they made it kind of sound like something new is going to be added, but they're like, with uh, it's going to project on Small World, the Castle, Main Street, and Rivers of America. And I'm like, okay, so what it always does. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, that about wraps up our um, 5571 news segment. And now on to the Main Street topic of this week's episode. Uh, and one of the reasons I wanted to have Mondo on, uh, since he is a big time YouTube creator um, and the Disney creator space uh, and the theme park space, I wanted to ask this question because there's a lot of changes coming up in the next couple months um, on YouTube in regards to YouTube shorts. Uh, and for those that don't know, YouTube shorts is sort of like YouTube's um you know, answer or kind of competitor, I guess you could say, to TikTok. And um, they're almost creating a separate space um, in the YouTube platform for creators that want to focus on shorts versus creators that want to focus on the long form traditional content that you would expect on YouTube. Because YouTube in and of itself is a search platform, right? It is owned by Google, which is the biggest search platform on the internet. Um, So YouTube is quickly becoming the next biggest search platform um, so YouTube shorts can really change that in a way, um, because people don't necessarily make TikTok style videos with information or like how to do stuff. Sometimes they're just doing it for fun or wackiness, you know, dancing, going crazy, stuff like that. But I wanted to ask Mondo, um, how changes to YouTube shorts and what YouTube has announced coming in January and February will affect the Disney creator community and how they create theme park content moving forward. I think it's going to change a lot. Um, for me personally, I gave up on TikTok. Uh, and with the notion that shorts is coming and it's going to be monetized, it's it's very important because shorts has not been monetized. And a lot of people, they have grown channels uh, from the subscriber perspective big time through shorts like the power of shorts shorts to me i feel like youtube is still figuring things out with algorithm and stuff like that and how shorts work uh but i feel like it's gonna get emphasized a lot uh because they already also presented that there's gonna be like a 60 40 split and they're also gonna be monetizing copyrighted shorts uh, that'll be a different split, but that'll be figured out come January. So that's a very big deal because yeah. now you you could use shorts and still make money that have copyrighted music. And yeah, to me, shorts it's very powerful. Uh, we sometimes see shorts hit literally 20, 30, 40 million views. So YouTube they figured out how to make something essentially go absolute viral Uh, on the long format. I feel like we don't see viralness as much anymore, but when it comes down to shorts, there's incredible reach uh, with viralness. And I do feel like it's going to change the game because um, I don't want to say TikTok's getting old or nothing like that, but I feel like now that shorts has come, it's like the new thing, you know? And I feel like uh, it has a lot, it has a lot of uh, it has a lot of enticing like you, you like I want to create on this platform. I want to create a YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. to me, TikTok is not important anymore personally. 
uh, YouTube's my number one priority. And not, now that we're going to have monetized shorts, it even becomes more of a priority. Yeah. And I feel like too, it, it, uh, it's given a whole new platform to people that maybe only felt comfortable creating on TikTok, and now they can um, come to the YouTube and, and, and create here as well. I, you know, um, it, it, you kind of mentioned how TikTok feels like it's sort of old news now. And I feel like, um, you know, TikTok's even mentioned that they're trying now to set themselves up um, to be a search, a search engine as well, right? Because mm -hmm. YouTube is the largest search engine second to Google. It's where people search to, for any recipe, they search for how you to know, make anything, how to make Just, anything if, yeah. in, in regards to the Disney community. They're searching about Disney news, Disneyland news, Disney world news, Disney world planning, Disneyland planning, like you're searching for something. And maybe that's how you found my videos. Maybe that's how you found Mondo's videos. Like you were searching for those things and then you found, found the channel that way. And um, you know, sometimes um, if you've ever used TikTok, it's delivering these short form videos to you. Uh, it's sort of a mystery sort of way, kind of the way that your YouTube um, homepage does, where you might see a suggested video from someone you don't subscribe to. Um, and maybe that's how you found uh, our content too. And things like that, uh, you know, get you to watch new people. And with the shorts format that Mondo was talking about, it can really bring some of these other Disney creators uh, onto an audience that doesn't, that they didn't have before. Mm -hmm. So I feel like we're going to see YouTube transition to add this feature to their search engine where, and we're going to see TikTok transition to adding more horizontal videos as well as more long form content and trying to position themselves into being more of, you know, a searchable YouTube type video content as, as well as the other feature, if that's what you like. Um, I wanted to ask Mondo about it because, you know, I follow a lot of different creators on YouTube in different spaces. Um, I'm a big fan of technology and, and the current tech, right? And um, there's a lot of tech creators that I, um, that I subscribe to and I've been following for a really, really long time. One of them being Lamar Wilson. Uh, he makes such great content um, about, you know, latest tech, video games, all that kind of stuff. And um, he just announced on his channel, he's got a, a really big YouTube channel with, you know, millions of followers. And he just announced that he's no longer making long form content anymore and that he's only making uh, short form content on YouTube shorts. And that's how his transition was going to be. And that he, uh, it wasn't up for like any discussion or anything. If people liked the longer form, he just, he felt like he really enjoyed it. He enjoyed the the space. He enjoyed the the way he could be creative with it and and uh, and put out more content more regularly that way. And um, it really kind of helped him look at his content a little bit different, right? Because it can get a little monotonous, just like any other job, right? You're doing the same thing all the time, and and you try to change it up a little bit, but you can't always. But then you know this new format, it kind of makes you think a little bit differently. You've got less time. You're in a totally new format it kind of makes you think about your content differently and maybe inspires you as a creator to be totally different. So I feel like in the Disney creator space, we might see a lot more, um, you know, people kind of come into that TikTok style that maybe didn't before because they didn't transition to that platform. So I don't know. I think maybe you're, maybe you are peeking a little bit into the future Mondo about, uh, about stopping TikTok now. <laughs> yeah, for me, I, I'm not looking back. Uh, shorts, I, I feel like 
once shorts get monetized, all the eyeballs are going to be on shorts because it's, it's new and the opportunity to make money off your passion, your, your, this different format that's taking humongous popularity because TikTok is humongous. It's humongous. But if anybody could rival that type of reach, it's definitely going to be YouTube. Mm-hmm. Uh, they already have the capability of, of, like I was saying, a lot of people go viral on shorts. I've seen it. Um, for me, let me talk real quick about shorts. I post shorts. I try like once or twice a day and I've been just testing different things like Universal, Disney, a Knots, you know, a ride, a show, a character. I'm just trying to see what works. And the way the, what I have learned right now with shorts is your short really doesn't do anything till like 12 to 15 days later. And uh, I remember having a conversation with a friend who was also doing shorts. He was telling me he's like nothing would happen till like 30 days later mm-hmm. where all of us, all of a sudden your short would just take off and you'll be like, what, why this one? I feel like maybe YouTube is getting to the point where maybe they can make shorts take off essentially that day. <laughs> Cause I feel like that's what TikToks or not TikTok, but YouTube shorts is working on is analyzing a video. Is this worth giving it exposure is this worth going viral and i feel like they're closing in on those that time period of how quickly to make something go viral yeah no i i agree too and i feel like as well um and we didn't talk about this yet but um you know as a youtube creator um you know we can see some of the things you know just a peek behind the scenes um you know you can see um you know some additional data right on a video and you can mm-hmm. tell you can tell like, you know, where that person's watching the video from, how old they are, um, you know, the demographics of that of that viewer. But more importantly, um, you can also see um, what the device is that they're watching it on. And I would say like 90 percent of the people that watch a lot of video on probably Mondo's channel on my channel and everyone else's for that matter, watches YouTube on a phone. They don't mm-hmm. watch they don't watch YouTube on, you know, as much on their like Apple TV, maybe their smart home TV or like a computer screen, you know, um, like a normal desktop or something like a laptop. Um, so like most people are watching holding their phone and most people have to then turn their phone like sideways to see a normal video that we're watching to fill the screen. Um, if you're watching a vertical, you can still fill the screen the way that you normally do, uh, you know, up and down rather than having to turn sideways. And I feel like maybe there's something to that. You know what I mean? There's maybe like more people would rather watch video that way. I feel like that's kind of one of the enticing things about TikTok is sometimes when you're watching a video like that, you feel a little bit more immersed, Mm -hmm. you know, in the content, even though you're not watching like a widescreen version of it, it just feels like a little more immersive when you're seeing the whole screen vertically. Other things to consider too with YouTube shorts and theme park content creating, you could all of a sudden hit a certain topic, a certain food, a certain merch, a certain show, character. You could hit that quicker in a short than filming, creating this vlog, creating this video, having to go home, edit, whatever. A YouTube short, you could just throw up an unedited video and it could do really good because yeah. 
that subject is hot. The subject is something people want to see uh, or, or, or hear a review. YouTube shorts now uh, like uh, unlock that. Like you, mm-hmm. you, could, you could hit something faster. Right. And I think another way too, um, and I think like you could really benefit from this as well as some of the other like larger creators in the space um, is using YouTube shorts as there's a lot of creators that um, you use YouTube shorts uh, in their as their community like reach out. So like you said, you can put up a video so quickly um, to share something, you know, you're you can tweet out when you're at Disneyland Mondo about like some some cue you know, that's happening for some popcorn bucket, or you could share with your YouTube community um, a YouTube short on that same information um, and also use it to, to communicate with your community. Maybe someone has a, a question and a comment in one of your long form videos. You can create a short answering that question in a video format, which not only can bring new people to your channel, but feel like you're interacting with them a little bit more so. Um, you know, going that route. And it really, I feel like unlocks a more personalized community feel for the creator uh, to be more involved. Uh, And I think there's just a lot of changes coming that like, I think I'm excited to see kind of how it formats itself into this space as well as like all the other niches on YouTube, but there's so many of them, but (laughs) you know, and into this space specifically that we, that we're a part of. Um, But yeah, I agree. Like it's so easy to just put out a YouTube short uh and and share something with your audience rather than like put it home and then also like maybe makes your um your longer form videos something people can look forward to like Mm -hmm. you know you know like um when you're waiting for a new episode of like a show to come out on netflix or disney plus or something you know it's like a lot you're waiting for that longer form content and then in between you got all these shorts available that you can like ask questions to do a q a on um, you got live still. So I feel like YouTube is really positioning itself to be kind of like that complete solution, dude. You can go there for just about everything. everything. Yeah. What's cool about YouTube is you have the long format videos, you have live stream capability. Now you're going to have the short capability. And at the end of the day, you have a post, like you could post something to your community. So it's, it's like they, they've hit it from every angle. And, and just recently, they added the ability to have like a, a tag. So like I'm at five fires on YouTube. Yes. They, never, they never had that. So like another step in becoming like the full social media, like they, they took a little bit of, uh, of uh, everything into one YouTube channel. It's pretty, mm-hmm. pretty impressive. Yeah, I I know. I've been thinking a lot about how I want to use it. And uh, it is cool. So they mentioned that they're going to start opening this up to creators for more like options to have revenue sharing um, with uh, with shorts in February, I think. Right. Mm hmm. Yeah. So I think you'll see you'll start to see a lot more of it. I don't know about you, Mondo, but when I'm watching YouTube videos now, um, I'm seeing shorts a lot more being suggested to me. Uh, as like a part of the search results that I'm searching for. Um, I'll see like one or two videos maybe. And then right underneath that is like a bunch of shorts that match what I'm searching for. Yeah. And then, and then I have to scroll past them to see like the other videos that are in the search. So it's definitely coming and I feel like it's going to change a lot of things, uh, but in a good way. And I'm excited for it. Uh, I wonder if there's going to be any uh, Disney content creators that, 
kind of pull that same move that the, the, the person that I subscribe to Lamar Wilson had did in the tech space where they're just going completely shorts and they're changing their format altogether. Um, and even Disney parks, what are they going to do with it too? You know, they, they were so quick to adapt to um, TikTok. So yeah, you know, Disney parks is all about TikTok. Watch them become all about shorts. I, I know doubt it. I <laughs> they, doubt could, it. they could be all about shorts soon too. So, but we'll see, you know, it's, um, I think uh, in general, it's going to be a really great move. And uh, there's a lot of big changes coming to Disney parks. So, you know, it makes sense that, you know, the space that we all share with on here will, will change with that. So, but yeah, I, I'm excited to see how it, how it comes. I just wanted to get your opinion on that. I, I feel like you are the best person to ask because you kind of, you know, recently with you kind of posting about stopping your TikTok. I was like, Mondo's the perfect person to ask about this because I feel like it's worth bringing up. Uh, To me, YouTube Shorts has the biggest possibility of uh, becoming the new big thing. And and the fact that they're monetizing, it's it's huge because uh, honestly, the only reason people post a ton of reels on Instagram all of a sudden is because you get bonus reels. (laughs) (laughs) If they took bonus reels away, it'll probably go back to like a a photo format and people would probably not be posing reels anymore. But the fact that YouTube is going to monetize shorts, it incentivize, it brings everybody to, to like, Hey, let me give this a try. I want to try this. Uh, and and all the people that were uh, discouraged by the long format, it it brings now the people that that are, want to have a shorter format, like you were saying. It, it, mm-hmm. it just all of a sudden YouTube is just it's it's welcoming to everybody, right? Creating. Yep, and I think that was the that was the purpose of it, you know, giving their creators some, some more ways to interact with their community. And uh, I agree. I think it's going to be an awesome move, and uh, I'm excited to see what you do with it. And what all the other people do with it that, that are in this space. So, um, but that wraps up our main street topic on the 5571 this week. Um, thank you so much, Mondo, for, for joining us uh, on this episode today and talking about all the news and, of course, your thoughts on YouTube Shorts. And I'm excited to see uh, what you do with YouTube uh, and YouTube Shorts as it continues to change. Um, but other than YouTube, where do you want to tell people to follow you? Probably on Instagram. Follow me on Twitter. I'm, I'm Twitter, to okay. Twitter. That's another one. I feel like the life to me has been brought into Twitter. Yeah. Like, what about long form video coming there? It's what Elon Musk said. Dude, it's, <laughs> it's, it's exciting. I, I feel like Twitter has opportunity. And what I like about Twitter is that when when news breaks, like, hey, Disney or Walt Disney World Railroad's opening, you find out right away. And I like that. Uh, Instagram, I don't feel that. YouTube, it, it doesn't really have that avail- availability of like finding information so quickly unless someone's live. But uh, Twitter, it, it's nice to just be the, and it's chronological too. I love that. I love that about Twitter. Mm-hmm. I do. I do too. You can have, you can have two versions. You can have chronological or, you know, the hot tweets, but I love chronological, especially like Mondo was saying, so you can find out the news as soon as it happens. So definitely I'll put links to those so that you can follow Mondo on those social media in the description of this episode. Um, and thanks for the, for going through the little bit of a delay this week. I know we came out on Tuesday rather than Monday, but next week 
we'll be back on the normal Monday release. Uh, I've got everything transitioned now to the new platform. So we are good to go. Uh, and Mondo was my uh, first guest trying out on this new platform. So yeah, I love it. I love <laughs> it's it. It's pretty easy. Uh, One thing I want to say before we get out of here. Yeah. I feel like Bob Iger being here does add a, a, a brighter star to this celebration than yes. we had Bob Chapek. I'm not trying to hate on Bob Chapek, but I'm just saying Bob Iger being here, uh, him walking Disneyland grounds so many times recently, it's it set a different tone of the excitement is like at an all time high. Right. Uh, I think the celebration. I think he I think he knows that there's some things that have been lacking. And I think he knows that he not only has to, you know, regain the trust of some some of the guests maybe that they had lost. Um, but also some of the cast members, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, it, it, I think it said a lot that he was walking around and, and getting those tours with Josh tomorrow. So, um, you know, there were some other rumors coming out on LA Times, potentially about him um, bringing back some former executives like Tom Staggs in theme parks and resorts. So um, who knows? You know, we're going to have to keep an eye on that. Of course, we'll talk about that probably on Speculation Sunday and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But do, you, do you have a little bit more time? Yeah. I want you to talk about Tom Staggs. Tom Staggs. Uh, you, you, you're pretty informed on his leadership. And the notion that I get from him, if he was to return, mm -hmm. it brings a lot of confidence back into theme parks. In specific, I'm talking theme park. I don't care about the other stuff. If him returning, I feel like that's like a big nod into like, hey, we're investing in our theme parks again in a big way. Yeah, I mean... um, he he was a he he was the chairman of, of Disney Parks and Resorts. So, um, you, you know, he was a lot of things at the Walt Disney Company, um, but he be, eventually became the chairman uh, of of Walt Disney Parks and Resorts, obviously kind of leading Imagineering and, and things like that. So he was a creative executive. Um, and this was pre pre Bob Chapek being in that space. Right. Bob Chapek mm -hmm. was in the company at the time, but he wasn't in the theme park aspect of it just yet. Um, but he definitely, um, you know, was there through like some really big things that happened at all the resorts. You know, uh, there was the development of my magic plus, whether you love it or hate it, which was the beginnings of, you know, uh, kind of the, my Disney experience stuff that's going on at, uh, you know, Walt Disney world. And eventually we got you know, it developed magic bands and the way that they use them with all the tap styles. Like that was a multi-billion dollar investment. And, you know, he was kind of for that. He had the, um, he was there for like the development and the creation of Pandora World of Avatar, which is phenomenal and still does extremely well for, for Walt Disney World Resort. Um, you know, he was there to help Bob Iger with, you know, the Shanghai Disneyland project. That was a huge thing for them and opened in 2016, not the, or 2015 or 16. I forget which year it was. And, and another thing about Tom Staggs, he was very instrumental with Pixar mm -hmm. and, the per and the purchase of Marvel. So he, he was as important as you could be. To the he Disney was, company. he, he was definitely positioning himself um, to, to become the next CEO. And I think he was expecting that. Um, and I don't, I, I don't know exactly what had happened between him and Bob Chapek or Bob Iger, um, for Bob Iger to be like, no, that's like, that's not what's going to happen. Like, or even the board too to be like, no, we're not, we're not expecting to go that way. So 
you know, it, it led ultimately to him being like, you know, we're not going to, uh, we're not going to go that direction. And so he's like, oh, I'm going to leave then and I'm going to, you know, leave the company. So it, it, it was like a mutual agreement to leave. It wasn't like a, a Chapek situation or an Eisner situation where they were like asked to leave. Um, so he stepped down, you know, in 2016, just after his theme park opened in China. Um, you know, so it was, or just before, just after. So mm-hmm. it was like, um, uh, it was a big deal that he left. And, and, you know, with him leaving a lot of other creative executives on the Imagineering team left uh, shortly thereafter as well. Um, and it kind of, they kind of redid a lot of the uh, Walt Disney Imagineering team at that time. So it, it's, uh, you know, he was definitely, um, he definitely cared about the guest experience for sure. And there was a lot of great things. There were a lot there were some not so good things during his time frame, but I think one thing that he did prioritize is that he prioritized the creativity at Imagineering. And I think that's mm-hmm. just something that, that Bob Chapek just didn't really care about. Like, um, like he wasn't really all that into the creative aspect of it. Right. He just wanted to um, make a great guest experience in the cheapest possible way and the way that would make the most amount of money. And uh and so, you know, all on paper, that sounds like a best thing, right? But that doesn't necessarily always work to create the magic that that Disney needs, uh, you know, to make their parks feel different. Um, they're, you know, they they don't need to be the cheapest and the least amount of money and the most expensive and getting the most money all the time to create their experience. So it's, you know, it, it Tom Staggs kind of understood that in a way and really gave a lot of creative freedom to the Imagineering team. And I think maybe some of the things that rubbed the board and maybe the CEO the wrong way at the time was that maybe he did that a little too much, mm-hmm. and, which led to maybe um, longer than normal projects um, and projects that really exceeded their budgets, probably more so than than the company had originally wanted to or the board wanted to. And I think maybe that is what led to kind of their um, their like, not being interested in having him as the CEO because maybe they didn't work confident in his decision making on certain things. Um, but I feel like if he's brought back, it will really uh, be a good move for Imagineering because it'll uh, they sort of need a little bit of faith and and trust from the Disney executive team because they really were just kind of destroyed during the whole JPEG era. And uh, really had the, you know, the ladder pulled out from underneath them and, uh, you know, being told they're going to have to, you know, shut down their existing campus and and where it's always been in Glendale, California, Hollywood, Hollywood area, L.A. area, and then moving to Florida and not given a choice to do that. And a lot of people stepping down in advance of that move um, because they just didn't want to do it. A lot of big time executives like. Uh, Joe Rohde, you know, taking that opportunity to be like, okay, I, I think now is the time I want to retire. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like all these people just kind of pull in that and, uh, and maybe a move like Bob, Bob Iger bringing back Tom Staggs could really instill the confidence in the creative team to like maybe bring back Joe Rohde, even if it's like on a <laughs> consulting aspect of it to help with Disneyland's Tomorrowland or, or, uh, you know, bringing back some some other creatives that left um, to go to other places as well too. So there's a, uh, 
you know, with it, the rumors of him a, coming could be a good thing. It could be like a domino effect, like you're saying. It, yeah. It, it could lead to uh, just that creative explosion that Disney wants to have again, big time. Yeah, we he definitely helped the parks and resorts segment grow, right? Grow to a point where it hadn't been before. It's experienced a lot of growth. So I think in that aspect of it, we all know that Bob Iger, <laughs> Bob Iger loves to grow the Walt Disney Company. Yep, so yep. maybe that's why they got along so well. But even more confusing as to why um, he didn't wasn't chosen as the successor. But it'd be a great story, dude. Leaves the company, <laughs> Bob Chapek, he gets fired. Bob Iger comes back and then gives it to, to Stags. <laughs> yeah. It'd be, it'd be a good story. Be- it would be. It would be a good story. And I feel like, um, you know, it, it, it wouldn't be totally like out of the norm for the Disney company because a lot of people actually do that. A lot of people leave the Disney company and then come back to it with like different mm-hmm. experience. So um, who knows? Who knows? But it, it's in my opinion, I would think of it as a good thing. I wouldn't think of it as a bad thing because um, that was a really good era uh, for yeah. Disney Park. So I'm, I'm excited for it. And I hope uh, those talks are true. And it's even weird. It's weird too. just the new segment we talked about earlier, how like immediately after Bob Iger became CEO, that James Cameron felt confident in that moment to just call Bob Iger or however <laughs> he communicated and, be- and talk to him about changing a ride in avatar like like he could have done that in the 13 years beforehand or even in the last couple years leading up to the the fact that they knew the movie's coming out with bob chapek but he probably knew in his mind that bob chapek chapek wouldn't get it or would say no wouldn't even consider it yeah and so for like him to be like literally the week after he becomes ceo call him up and be like yeah let's do it and then bob Iger being like yeah because he knows like how successful it's been so that's the thing is like he's giving like James Cameron, like creative genius, right? Mm-hmm. Like Bob Iger's like, I recognize this gentleman as a creative genius and I'm not a creative genius. So uh, if he thinks it, this would benefit from changing, then let's look into that and consider it rather than just shutting it down and be like, no, it's too expensive. We can just leave it the way it is and it makes money still for free. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I think that's where where they differ a little bit, but I'm excited. And I'm glad you brought that up as a little extension to this yeah. episode. <laughs> yeah. Cause I, I know you had a lot of knowledge on it. It's, yeah. And, and it's just exciting to hear stags. Cause I feel like he brings excitement. If he was yeah, there. I agree. I agree. But uh, that wraps up this episode, guys. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, thank you, Mondo for being on the show. We'll definitely have you on again. Uh, and if you guys liked this episode and like the format of having guests on, uh, let me know. You can actually, I think, leave voice notes through the Anchor platform somehow. I, I don't know how that works, but if you've used Anchor before or you're following on Anchor, you can do it that way. Uh, I also have an email address for the podcast. So podcast at the 5571.com. Um, you can send us an email there with uh, your feedback or future episode topics or questions you might want answered. Um, and of course, Whatever platform you're listening to, make sure you're subscribed and have that notification bell turned on so that you get notified when new updates and new episodes come through Um, and make sure you're subscribed on those so that you get get those in your library. Uh, But thank you so much again for listening uh, and we'll see you on the next episode. Thank you. Have a good night, everybody.